0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'll be reading your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be reading from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. I'm going to read from the NIV in just a moment, I really believe that the Lord has been speaking already through the worship today. And I just really feel the Lord wants to encourage some people in the house today. Um, if it's one person, it's worth it, isn't it? If it's one person, it's worth it. And um, let's just pray before I, I preach. Father, come on, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today. That we get to come, worship you, and listen to your word, Lord. What heaven says today into our lives, we welcome it, Lord, now. We welcome the seed of heaven to fall in our hearts, to land well, and, Lord, to accomplish what you desire. May nothing hinder it, Lord, in our lives, any sin, any feeling of self-condemnation. We just pray today, we'll just, the seed will just plant well, and the enemy will not snatch it in Jesus' Mighty name, And everyone said, Amen. Acts chapter 14 and verse 8, we're going to start from. It says this, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in a Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes. The only Hermes I know is the delivery van that comes to my house. Because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates. Because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. Shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words. They had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got back up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Amen. They returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraged them, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You know, just reminded me, just as I read about prayer and fasting, the slides that I got up, i not put in my notes, but next week is our prayer and fasting week. So that's another thing to mention, I've not got in my notes here. It should have been on the slides, but um, prayer and fasting week is next week. So I want to encourage you next week, you don't have to pray and fast the whole week, but I encourage you, prayer and fasting is something as a church we want to do next week. So you can join us in that however much you want. How many of you know that prayer and fasting does change things and we engage with God. We come closer to the Lord. So I encourage you to be part of that. It can start tomorrow. You can do whatever you want until next Sunday, but let's believe together and pray together. Amen. I want to talk to you about this story because I believe that it talks a lot about people's influence in our lives, the crowd. Um, how people can manipulate, how people can sometimes affect our faith. How many of you know that you can have a faith in God, but people can be quite quite strong in your life sometimes. They can control the way you sometimes believe, control the way you sometimes follow God. And I want to encourage you today because sometimes it's not the devil that's the problem. Some of you are saying, the devil's a problem in my life. No, it's not the devil's a problem. Sometimes it's the people around you that are the problem. And sometimes the crowds you are with are the ones and the people you associate with are the ones who are going to affect your faith. And sometimes the devil's going to get you around the wrong people. And it's not the devil and the devil's like, oh, they're blaming me. But actually it's the people that they're associating with because they've been lured into these kind of groups and associations with people. And, and I want to, I want to look at this story because what I see here is something quite amazing. Because I began the story by reading about Paul and Barnabas and Paul's preaching. And he sees a man who's been lame from birth. And he sees him in this crowd and he looks at him and realizes, it says he saw he had the faith to be healed. I don't know how you see that in someone sometimes. But, you know, when you have faith, it's hard because you don't see anything, do you? But Paul sees in him... He has the faith to be healed. And he says this to me: says, stand up to your feet. And he jumps up. He responds and jumps up because he has the faith. The, the kind of faith it takes for someone who's been lame from birth to leap up from that place to a place where they not just stand up and say, well, I'll have a go. Is anyone can help me? No, they jump up in response there's a certain amount of faith that rises up in that person. And and then I see this story go on and I think, wow, Paul must have been so amazed when, when this man is, he, he kind of stands up, jumps up and he's like, wow, what a miracle. Everyone's rejoicing. This man was once, he couldn't stand. Now he's, he, he's raised up and Paul's looking thinking, wow, what a miracle. Do you know the next thing that happens is he goes into this, this point where everyone begins to sacrifice and worship them. So the crowd start to get involved. The crowd start to determine and suggest what is happening. Can I say sometimes in your life that when God begins to do things, people will begin to manipulate what God's doing. People will begin to suggest things. And you'll start to think, well, these people, maybe they've been around me a long time. Maybe they know what's right for my life. But I'm going to tell you, there's only one person that knows what's right for your life, and that's God. And so they come in and they say, you know, uh, you you are these gods and they, they give them the names. And, and then the next thing is, we go from this to a complete opposite. The next thing that's happening is, they've been, st- well, Paul has been stoned to death. How can you go from being in an amazing meeting, seeing an amazing miracle, seeing faith in someone... And the next minute, everything's gone wrong and you're laid on the floor almost dead. Can I ask you today, I don't know if you're like me, but is your Christian life a little bit like that sometimes? You have a season that is absolutely amazing. You're doing amazing things for the Lord. You're seeing God being victorious. You're seeing healings. You're seeing miracles. Maybe it's not healings and miracles, but it's victories. And you're saying, God is doing something amazing right now. And then people get involved. And then you begin to feel manipulated by people. You thought this was a good thing. But then something begins to happen where all of a sudden that season you were in has changed now to a season where you feel like you have been hurt by people. And people are out to destroy you. Sometimes the crowd is not people, it's the pressures of what you've got yourself involved in. And all of a sudden, that time of victory has ta- turned now to a time where you have a fence against you. You have things that are taking you down. How can you switch from one to the other? Do you know, uh, just the other week, if some of you follow me on, on Facebook, on social media, I posted a few pictures of this. I think I put some pictures of the hotel. But a year ago, I went to a hotel in London, a nice hotel. Got a kind of standard room. Standard room. It's one I've been to for years, and I just used to take the good of it with the children. And I went back to this hotel last year, and they messed up something on the on the bill, so I complained. And when I left, they gave me a free night. Bit of advice for you, just, you know, if things don't go well, just let them know. So they gave me a free night. They said, you can come back to this hotel before the 31st of (coughs) October, 2019. So I thought, right, I'm going back. Free night. So I went down there with the children last last weekend. And, uh, and we arrive there. We get into this really nice hotel. And, 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 I, and I check in. And I know I'm not going to pay a penny. How many of you know that's great? There's su- such a good feeling. I was in such a good season. The kids are like, Dad, this is an amazing hotel. am like, don't get used to it. We walked in. We check in. And, and so now I know that they know on the system that this is a man who's complained in the past. And so I walk up and I check in and and, and, and when I check in, they said to me, your room's not ready, sir, yet. Uh, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go into London with the boys. We're going to have a day in London. I said, it's fine. He says, well, she says the room is going to be ready later on, but do you mind? We, you, you asked for one of the balcony views, but we, we really want to help you. We want to give you uh, an upgraded room. How many of you know I didn't. I didn't hesitate at this point? <laughs> I said, all right. I still asked if it got a balcony, though. And she said, uh, she said, we want to give you an upgraded room. I said, okay. I said, what's that? She said, we want to give you the suite. I'm like, wow. I'm going to do this more often. What can I complain about? She said, we're going to give you the suite. In fact, at one point, she didn't call it the suite. She called it the apartment. I'm like, What? So she said, you'll get your room when you get back. So I go into London, I come back at the end of the day. We walk up to the room. I wish I had a photograph to show you. We walk up to the room. I get to the door, there's all these doors, and it's the only one that says, on. The boys open the door, we go in. I have never seen a room like this in my life. This room was absolutely amazing. I mean, three TVs. (laughs) The kids were just playing all the TVs at the same time. (laughs) Dancing around. I don't know what anyone thought below dancing around, and and I'm I'm just like, wow. Then I walk over to the side, and there's a huge fruit bowl full of beautiful fruit, and it's got a little sign saying, welcome, Mr. Shaw. We want to make sure you have a lovely time, that things are better than last time. I'm like, all I've done is just checked in for a freebie. And I realized that they were doing everything they could to make sure I had a good stay. I felt like I was famous. I felt like I was rich, but i would not paid a penny. And I went in, I, I didn't pay a penny all weekend. Went into to London, we had a great day, and come back, and this room was just amazing. And the boys are saying, can we come back here? I said, no we can't. <laughs> I don't even want to look at how much it cost to go in that room. I have never, how many of you know the Lord blesses? us? And, um, I don't look out for these things, but goodness and mercy follow you. They'll chase you. If you don't chase after these things, they'll chase after you. I'm like, come on, praise God. And so in fact, when I even booked, they said to me, they said, breakfast is not included on complimentary deals. We, we won't be giving you breakfast. By the time I checked in, I got on the ferry to go up the, up the river to London. And while I'm on the ferry, they phoned me within five minutes of checking in. I've not even got the room. She said to me, She said, we're just calling you just to say we'd like to give you breakfast as well. I've not even even got to that day yet. This is God, you know. Now, we don't chase after these things, but they will chase after us if we follow the law. But, you know, when I got to the end and I checked out, how many of you know that they're not the same with me when I checked out as what they were when I checked in? You know, when you check into these hotels, they give you free cookies. The boys were taking full advantage of this. Chocolate cookies, as many as we can get. But as soon as you check out, I didn't want to check out because I knew that all the benefits stop. We, We can't get any cookies. And I realized something the moment I walk out of there and I get back home. That all of a sudden, life isn't isn't like an apartment with three TVs, a fruit bowl. Free breakfast that's made for me, a buffet breakfast that you just keep helping yourself. You're eating things that you've never eaten before. I mean, who has ham on a morning? I don't. You might. And so I get home and I'm back to my conflicts. I'm back to the one TV that's nowhere near as good as the TVs in that room. I'm back to I've got to wash my own clothes. I've got to do everything. My house is nothing like that apartment because everything's done for me. And you go from one extreme to the other. And this is what it was like for Paul. One moment he's having this amazing season. Amazing time, but in a short space of time, all of a sudden the crowds turned on him and now he's been beaten to death. And what happens is at the beginning of the story, he's helping someone get to their feet and now he's down on the floor. The title of this message today is crowd control, crowd control. I really believe in our lives. We've got to be very very careful of the manipulation of people around us now in our lives, in our faith, that are going to determine sometimes these steps that we walk in for God. It's so important. It's not the devil that's doing it, but people sometimes will manipulate. You can't always trust the people around you. Come on. Bill Johnson said this, if you don't live by the praise of men, you won't die by the criticism of them. Sometimes, you know what we do? We live so much by the praise of people, we lose our focus on God. And then when something goes wrong, we die inside by that. But the the, the key is this, that you must, we keep saying it lately, fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, when, When we've been singing today, he's the one who never changes. He never changes. And so people might change, but he doesn't change. I always say this, that men, people will always let you down. Jesus never lets me down. And so we got to begin to, to recalibrate and look again and say, God, who are the things? What are the things around me right now that need to be out of my life or need to go from my life in order for you to direct my steps? Even the best people can turn on you. Look at look at Judas. Look at Jesus. Even has these people around him. But even the best of people that were once there can be a Judas. Even the best people can reject you. Look at Peter. Even some of the best people, the Thomases doubt. And Jesus is hanging around with some of these people and yet they still let him down. But but Jesus knows how to manage the crowd. You notice that he had a lot of crowds around him, but he only kept a few with him. He He didn't run after the crowd. He kept a few because he was more interested in followers than fans. And some of you right now, what you've got to start to do is say, what do I need to do in my life? There's some things, people that need to be moved out. Move them out of the apartment. Get them out. Get them out of the midst of your life because they're doing more damage to you in your faith than you think. It's not Satan. It's people. You've got to have some crowd control. Psalm 37 verse 23 says this, the steps of a good man... All women are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in His way. The NIV, the the one who delights in Him. I really believe that when we're keeping in step with the Spirit, Galatians five twenty five, we we walk in the Spirit. One of the things that people are going to try and do is flesh will try to make you walk in flesh. Sometimes you'll say, "No, oh, you know, walking in the Spirit." To walk in the Spirit, as it says. It's something I do, and it's my flesh that's the problem. So my flesh is the thing that's going to distract me from walking in the Spirit. Let me tell you, flesh is flesh, and there are people around you that are trying to get you to not walk in the Spirit. So it's not just you. It's people. You've got to be very careful, not just of yourself, but those around you. Because flesh will try to make you walk in flesh. And, And if we want what God's got for us, we've got to be ordered by the Lord. The lame man in the crowd saw Jesus, not Paul. So when the lame man's there and he's listening to Paul, what does he see? He sees Jesus. That's the faith that's rising up. It's not the words of Paul. All of a sudden he has this faith to rise up and to get up. It says this, he listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had the faith to be healed. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, what do they say? Look at us. The lame beggar has an encounter with Jesus and he stands up and he responds in that faith. I want to ask you, who have you got around you? Who are you making the gods in your life in terms of people? When I went to London, I took my children to Madame Tussauds. I've never seen so many people so excited about plastic figures. I wish I could have got a refund. It's the only thing I did pay for, which was a disappointment. Now it's good. The, the hardest thing for me was is that the children wanted a photograph with every, every individual character, even though they didn't know who they were. And it's the only place you'll see Boris Johnson next to Michael Jackson. I, I did have a word with him about Brexit, but he didn't say anything. Trump was next to him as well, but nothing was nothing was said. I'm not gonna bring politics into today, don't worry. You can you can rest. But I went there and do you know what amazed me? The boys were saying to me, Dad, what did this person do? But take a selfie. And there's little plaques on the wall that says what each of these people have done in their lives. And do you know what got me? I'm just looking at these plastic figures thinking, all of these people, people going and taking selfies next to pieces of plastic because of people that have done things. How many of you know the only person you need in your life right now, the only person you need a selfie next to is Jesus Christ. Because he ain't no dead plastic figure. He's alive. And so many of us, we're worshiping people rather than Jesus. We spend our time saying, oh, you don't realize how much value this person is. They can be valuable, but the only valuable thing right now is Jesus Christ for you. Yeah. Get a selfie with him. Spend some time with the Lord. Hallelujah. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm our walk of faith, our number one person we should be walking with right now is the Lord. Primary. Above everything. Above your family. Come on. Oh, no, not my family. No. Before your family, before everything else, put Him the center. If He's the center, everything else will work around that. Amen? But we got to be wise in who we walk with. We've got to be in the right crowd, the right people. Some of you need to Chop some things out of your life, some people right now. you need to remove some of these influences in your life. Number one, what can we learn from paul 's walk? Number one is this that your life is more is worth more than your labels. Your life is worth more than your labels as soon listen as soon as Paul. And Barnabas get involved and they see this healing and, and Paul tells this man to get up. Have you noticed that the devil's right there on the doorstep? Right there, right there at a moment of victory, a moment of power, a moment of demonstration that is so great. The devil's right there. He's always right there. Do you know what? I always tell people this. The most vulnerable places you'll ever find yourself is just after you've had an amazing time with God. No, it's not. That's the, that's the time when I feel on fire for Jesus. No, when you feel on fire, when you feel full and you feel strengthened, that's when the devil will say, you deserve a break. You deserve some pleasure. And he will try and distract you. And the, and the thing is this, is that so many of us what happens is we get distracted by what people are saying about us rather than what God is thinking about us. It's interesting that as soon as this happens, oh, it's like cue cue the praise people. Bring them in. And what do they say? Hang on. We want to tell you what we think. You are gods. You, in fact, actually, we'll go a little bit further. Paul, you're Hermes. You're not a delivery truck. You're Hermes. And Barnabas, you're Zeus. These Greek gods, they give them names. It's interesting, isn't it? That that as soon as a miracle of the God who has power, all of a sudden they have a name for it. How many of you know in your life that the devil will put a name on some of the victories? He'll try to distract you and say you're something that actually what we've been singing about today is that he's a good, good father and I know who he is, so I know who I am in Christ. The problem is that the devil wants to take you away from that and tell you something else. And he'll actually twist what is good to tell you something else. I looked up and because... Hermes, the the word for Hermes means boundary marker. That's the name of that God. Boundary marker. It means to set a boundary. It's interesting that they give Paul that as the chief speaker. Zeus is the greatest God. Hermes is the boundary marker. And so they're saying this to him. They're saying effectively hang on, this is an amazing miracle, you are God's, let us tell you who you are. Now you've got a crowd of people in a city, all telling these two individuals, you are a boundary marker, you are Zeus, you're this. And all of a sudden, those words begin to ring in their ear. Now you're not going to be called Hermes and Zeus today, but one thing is that people are going to start to flatter you with names, and tell you you're something, and this will distract you from your primary purpose in God. And do you know what happens then? What happens is that behind the scenes of that label is a name and it's boundary marker. Why? Because Satan always wants to put a boundary on your influence. He always wants to stop and and contain what you're doing. And some of you right now, what's happening is the people in your life are now actually restricting you. And they're actually stopping you from moving forward in the things of God. They are a bound, you become a boundary. There is a limitation on what you can do because you accept the praises of people and their names and labels. Can I just go another a little further and say that actually sometimes you get negative labels. Some of you right now have got labels from people that you're living with and things in the past, things over your life that say you're just a drunk, you're just an addict. You're just the person who's always going to fail. You heard it from your mom. You heard it from your dad. They said this over your life. They said that over your life. They said you've always failed in relationships. You're always going to fail. This is who you are. You will never have victory. The devil loves to whisper words over your life that tell you you're something. While God is saying you're something else. Your life is worth more than your labels. And some of us on those good labels that we get from people sometimes, do you know what we do? We rely on that affirmation from other people. Oh, you know, I've seen this and people are telling me I'm so good. People tell me that, isn't it good that you see miracles and healings? You're so good. You're such a godly man. You know, when people tell me that. They say, you're a godly man. No, I'm, not, I'm just the same as you. No different to you at all. I am no different to any human being in this room. Get that in your mind. If someone says to me, you're a godly man. Yes, I I am a person who likes to live godly. But I don't always do that. Because even Paul said that. I do the things that I don't want to do. These things I keep on doing. Come on, who, who resonates with Paul right now? Oh, only three. Oh, come on. Be honest. You've got to be honest because you've got to recognize that actually sometimes in your life you're going to fail and do things wrong. But listen, you're not a God. You're a sinner saved by grace. Hallelujah. It's only the blood of Jesus on your life that tells you today you can stand up for Jesus and do anything for him. And and so what we realize is sometimes these labels determine and they they can actually put a boundary on actually what God wants to do in your life. The only way you can get rid of these is to not accept them. And can I just say, I'm I'm trying to say, in, in your crowd control, in your people control, in your life, you've got to start to say, what is it that I, do I live off the affirmation of others or do I live off the affirmation of God? Am I living on, is, and sometimes you got you know, when you got to examine your heart, don't just examine your heart for that little sin that you keep doing. Examine your heart and say, God, can I dig a little deeper? Sometimes people don't dig deep enough. You dig a little deeper and a bit deeper and find out, actually, it's not, you, it's not those habitual sins that you need to be focused on. You need to be focused on the root cause of the habitual sins. You've got to be going so deep that you say, God, I want to examine my heart. Help me to go deeper to understand what is it that's limiting me moving forward with the people around me. Because I want to start chopping some things out. Getting rid of some things in my life. Do you know Jesus? You're just thinking, well, Jesus didn't have to go. Jesus went through exactly this. In Mark chapter 6, he returns to Nazareth, his hometown. He gets back, and I'm going to read it to you. Mark chapter 6, He says this in verse 2 through to 5. It says this, that the people, they saw Jesus coming back, and they said, they saw the miracles and healings. It says, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him? (laughs) What are these remarkable miracles? He's performing. Wow, he's getting the labels now. And then all of a sudden, It changes. Hang on a sec. The same people who see the miracles. They see Jesus. They see just like Paul. They change in verse 3 and say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Oh, it's getting a little worse now. And the brothers of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? Hang on a minute. Isn't this all a bit familiar? This is He's not so special. He's not a special guy. He's the, he's the brother. He's this person. He's just one of us. He's one of the Nazarenes. He hangs around. We know his family. It's Joseph, his dad. And all of a sudden, their labels of, of this seeing the miracles of what he did, their labels begin to try and contain Jesus. The next thing it says, and they took offense at him. Does it sound a little bit like Paul's experience of people? One minute miracles, next minute they took offense at him. Sounds like they're about to stone him too. That's why you can't rely on people. I'm not saying to stay away from people, but I'm saying you've got to watch. Verse 5, it says this, Jesus could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. I wish I could do that sometimes. (laughs) That's all he could do? Wow. But look, he says this. It, did you see here? Jesus' power and influence is limited by people's labels. What they're saying about him is reducing their faith. When it reduces their faith, his influence can't interact. That's why sometimes you're going to go out and if you witness the people and you're saying, I didn't see someone get healed. I've got to say this, that sometimes people's faith, you know, you can have so much faith to see people heal. But there's certain levels of healing you're going to see that is down to people's faith from them, not you. It's not all about, you know, we've gone to people and we've said, we want to pray for you to get healed. And some people on the streets will be like, I don't believe. And I'll say, well, I'll believe for you. I believe there's a degree in, it's almost like this scripture, there's a degree in which you can act and operate on the basis of your own faith. But there's a level where you're going to hit. But when someone's faith, like the woman with the issue of blood, presses through the crowd, touches Jesus, and something happens, there's something about when people have a faith to respond to Jesus. And what we see here is labels... Like Jesus, affect, influence. A label will only limit you when you accept it. It will only limit you when you say, okay, I am, yeah, okay, Joseph's my dad, I'm just one of you. Okay, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm just Paul, really. I'm, I'm not that person that God called me to be. And some of you right now, the devil is having a real, real play with your mind to say to you that you're not this person. You're not having the influence you thought you had. And it will try to limit you. But do you know what I'm so glad? In Mark 6 verse 6 it says this. This is what Jesus responds to all that is. Jesus went around. Then Jesus went around. Teaching from village to village. And it says he made disciples. Come on. Jesus says, I'm not having this. I'm not staying in Nazareth. I'm not going to let the location of my heritage. And some of you right now. It's your past. Where you grew up. The things in your past. It's your Nazareth. That is causing you an issue right now. And the devil's trying to say. You're just that person. You're only good. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from your family. Nothing good comes from your family line of genealogies. Nothing good comes from it. But you've got to do something. Do you know when that happens? You've got to say to the devil. It's time to leave the location. Because. The location is bringing a limitation. And if it's bringing a limitation, I'm getting out of here. It's time for you to say, I am leaving this place of limitation. He went on from village to village, and he has influence. Come on, some of you right now, you know there's, there's things you've got to leave. There are places, there are things you're dealing with, things you're fighting with in your own strength. You can't fight the crowd. You can't fight the pressure. you got to get out. And you've got to say, God, I'm bigger than this because you called me for something bigger than this. You called me for something bigger, influence. I'm not staying in this, what the devil keeps telling me. You're just that person who's addicted. You're just that person who's in that place. Come on. You've got to believe and say, God, it's time for me to go to village, to village, to village. Because God's got a plan for your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Next thing is, your faith is worth more than your flattery. Your faith is worth more than the flattery you're going to receive from people. Not only will they give you labels, but they'll now flatter you. Do you know what the next thing it says is this, verse 13? The priest of Zeus, now it's getting a bit heavy. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, he, you know, he gets a text message do doesn't take long does it for a word to get around. They've all been shouting, you're Zeus, you're Hermes. And then all of a sudden, he gets a text message in the temple. And he thinks, right, what I need to do? He gets the bulls prepared. I mean, he's quick. I mean, talk about he's on the ball. How many of you know the devil is on the ball? Oh, sometimes we to—we ain't going to lift the devil. You've got to be very careful because the devil has plans. He has strategies and schemes. He's quite clever. It's just not as clever as God, and so he's very quick on the ball. Doesn't take long before he's got all the bulls ready. Come on, let's get down to the city gates. Let's take this thing up another notch. Rather than just saying what he is, we're going to start to bombard them. The crowd is going. We're going to give the crowd wreaths, all these flowers, all of these things. The bulls to really overdo it to get these guys to give up on their God. So now the priest of Zeus. He comes down and he's like, guys, I've heard what's been happening. Who wants a bull? Anyone else? Who wants a reef? Go and throw one of these on Paul. Tell him, tell him again he's Hermes. And now it gets up another level. Because what happens now is the flattery. says that they were sacrificing to them. Wow. Now this is getting serious. And do you know in your life, you know what happens is sometimes when you accept the labels of people, you're now going to another season of flattery. You're going to a season where actually you love what people say. You love the praise of human beings. You love what people are saying about you. You love what people are saying in relationships about you. And now the flattery has got to a point where you don't want to give up on that because you like them reefs hanging on you. You like the fact that people are throwing bulls out and they're saying nice things about you because you've not had that before. And all of a sudden, the distraction of taking your eyes off Jesus, and when you're in that meeting seeing that man get healed, all of a sudden, you've got people around you. But you know what I love that Paul and Barnabas did? They were shouting out, preaching the gospel. Their response is what you need to do. Their response is this. They start saying, you can't do this. Tearing their clothes. Some of you, you don't want to tear your clothes. You want to keep listening. <laughs> oh, I like that. I, I rather like that bull. That, that fits well in my life. Makes me feel good. So I don't, I don't want to tear my clothes yet. Just, just let that bull hang around for a little bit longer. In fact, I'm going to have a pet bull. Some of you got them bulls hanging around because you don't want to give them up. But do you know what they do? It's immediately they start to tear their clothes. Do you know why? Because if you don't act on stuff immediately and flatter it, it is going to totally swamp you. So they start to proclaim their words and start to preach out they begin to speak out. So you and your life, let me tell you, when these things start to come and people start to say nice things about you, you've got to start to say, God, I'm not going to allow that because you are the focus. You are the foundation of my life. You've got to stop doing this, people. It's interesting, though. Have you noticed this? It says in verse 18, This. Even these words, this is what they were speaking, even these words, they are difficult to keep in the crowd from sacrificing to them. I've got some news for you today. Sometimes you can preach your heart out to people around you in crowds and the people you're hanging around with. But can I say, you can speak out as much as you want, but sometimes you have difficulty getting through. You'll have difficulty changing the circumstance. Do you know why? Because sometimes you've got to get out of there. Sometimes you've got to leave, and the problem is here. What and so, so many of us do sometimes we try to fight God's battles. We try, we're there trying to speak out and saying, why are these words not working? Because they should be changing these people. When I speak to these people, I want to see this person converted. I believe that I'm here to see this person converted. I believe this person who's flattering me, I'm going to try and convert them so they can be, see the way I see. But sometimes you just got to get out of the kitchen. You've got to get out of that place. Because it's not your job to convert people. It's only God who converts. We, we, we've been using these words, but we've got difficulty controlling the crowd. That's why you've got to get out of there. Sometimes you've got to leave that place. You've got to leave what people are saying on t- because the battle belongs to the Lord, not you. Not you. And your faith is often at the threat of the flattery of people. It's often at the threat of the flattery of people. In John chapter 12, verse 43, it says this, there were some leaders who, they heard the message of the gospel and they, they were Jewish leaders. They loved what they heard, but it says they were fearful of accepting it because of what the Pharisees would say. And then it says this in verse 43 of John chapter 12, because the Pharisees loved human praise more than the praise of God. Have you noticed that? If you notice that the, the these Jewish leaders heard the gospel, they were so scared of what the Pharisees would say because they loved people 's praise that it stopped them and hindered them from accepting the gospel. They were scared of being thrown out of the synagogue, it says, so they, 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 they're hearing it they 're like this this is real, this is truth." But these people, we, we, we know they love praise of people more. But if we accept this, we'll get thrown out. We're going to lose our place in the synagogue. Can I ask you today? Some of you right now, you're worried about what you're going to lose. You're worried about what you will lose if you stand up for God. You're, you're worried about what you'll lose when you lose those benefits of what you've had in that flattery from people. I, re, I realized that when we checked out of that hotel, I knew that the cookies don't, don't come anymore. There's no more cookies. I've got to go to Sainsbury's and buy my own. I can't just go up to the count and say, I'm, I'm a guest here. You know me, Mr. Shaw? You know me, the man with the fruit bowl? Can the boys have more cookies? I couldn't do it. Once I checked out, once the key's in, which room are you, sir? I ain't got a room. Some of us are scared of losing stuff, the benefits. We're scared of losing the benefits of our flattery and the people around us. You're scared of losing those people because of what they feed you. But I'm telling you today, it's time to let them go. Come on. It's time to ditch the cookies and say, you know what? I'm going to put my trust in the one who feeds me. Because man doesn't live on bread alone. Hallelujah. But on every word that comes from him. Father, we thank you today that you're the one who sustains us. You're the one. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 8 verse 35 to 36 says this. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I want to ask you today, what are you losing for the Lord? What are you giving up for Him? Because the moment, listen, the moment you step into communion with God, the moment you, you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take a step into communion with God, do you know what? The devil will try to get you into his place of limitation. He did it with Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Soon as he goes in that desert, what does he do? He says this in verse five. He says the devil leads Jesus. He's took a step into, he's took a step into the promises of God, but he leads Jesus, it says, up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said this to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. Do you know what's interesting? The devil can only ever show you because he is a person of limitation. Get this. The devil can only, he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. Because when he gives the names like your Hermes and your Boundary mark, I'm going to limit you. Do you know what? Even the best office Satan will give you in your life has always got a limitation. You see, all the kings in the world are good But how many of you know today that we have a kingdom that has no end? (laughs) We serve a kingdom and a king that is unshakable. We serve a king who has an everlasting kingdom. There is no limit. There is no boundaries on what God has for you. But the devil will show you things that look good, but always have a limit. All the kingdoms, not of heaven and earth, but of the world. Hallelujah. I'm so glad today that I serve a God who has a kingdom that's unshakable. It's everlasting. It knows no end. So when the devil tries to say to you, look, I'm going to flatter you. All you've got to do is just worship. Worship me. Worship me. People, come on, all you gotta do is, is just focus on what people are giving you right now. That will bring a limitation. Flattery will bring a limitation. But these people, Paul and Barnabas, they spoke on faith because faith is worth more than flattery. Hallelujah. And finally, as I come to close, your purpose is worth more than your pain. Your purpose. Is worth more than your pain. Acts chapter 14 and verse 19. It says, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Here we go again. Here we go again. We got influence again. Now the crowd, they're controlling, they're trying to control the scene. Then all of a sudden, If you read the previous verses to what we read earlier on before verse 8, you'll see that what happened is Paul and Barnabas were in Iconium. They were preaching the word of God and it says that that some of them tried to poison the minds of the people who were listening and they tried to stone them but they didn't. How many of you know that these people right now have just come along in the crowd, and they've just checked out all the reefs and the bulls, and they're seeing, and what all these people are saying, all of a sudden, they've just arrived from the previous verses because they didn't get to stone them before. Now they're back. And how many, have you ever noticed this? Isn't it amazing how quickly people change their minds? We've sung all morning about God not changing. That's why I said to you I really believe God wants to speak to some people here You've been in, under the influence of people flattering you And then all of a sudden They change their mind like the wind It's like Hang on a sec One minute you said this thing Now you're saying another That's because you can't rely on people You can only rely on God Because what God said about you yesterday Is the same today <laughs> And so all of a sudden You've got all these people having a party With priest Zeus The Zeus priest guy They've got the bulls, they've got the the reefs and all this stuff going on. And it doesn't take long, just a few words to say, hey, can can we just have a word with your crowd? And then the crowd, it says, is won over. Let me tell you, do not rely on the crowd. Do not rely on the crowd. Because the crowd will turn on you. The crowd is not your foundation, Jesus is. The crowd is not your life. Jesus is. The crowd is not your faith. Jesus is. And so what they do is they, they turn the crowd over. And all of a sudden, the same poison that's in the previous verses that was happening in Iconium now is beginning to get into this crowd. And all of a sudden, they're like, hang on, we don't need the bulls. Let, we've got a better idea. Let's not sacrifice to them. Let's, let's kill him. Forget the bulls. Forget the reese. Zeus, priest Zeus, take them back. We've got another plan. We've just heard from some other people because we changed our minds again. And now we're going to kill him. And all of a sudden, listen, if they'd have relied on the flattery of those people, but they didn't, they would have been up for it even more. But God was watching the hearts of Paul and Barnabas all along. And as they preached and preached and said, we're having difficulty trying to control this crowd, but we still rely on our God. As they continue to do that, the next thing that happens is stones begin to fly and hit Paul. It's like, God, why are you allowing this? I've been standing up for you. <laughs> I've just been standing up for you. And another stone hits. Another rock hits. From the same crowd that praised them. And now persecuting them. I mean, does this remind you of some of the people around you? You know, that person you've got to work tomorrow, they might not stone you. But that person in your office, that person in your college, that person who said one thing last week and say another thing tomorrow. The crowd were won over. Their minds were poisoned by these people. Some people were your best supporters yesterday. Today, they're your enemy. They were your best supporters. I've had them before. Some of my best supporters around me, then the next minute, they're gone. But do you know what? I've learned something as a leader that I don't rely on people. Because the congregation is not the people who sustain me. It's Jesus. So people come and go. People sometimes think, I've had people that move on and they they actually think that maybe their leaving will make me fall. It does absolutely nothing. I'll tell you why. Because I know until I fulfill the role that God has for me constantly, I know he'll always take care of me. So I've got no problem. And no problem, and I really mean that, because I rely on him. He's always been my source. How can I rely on people? Because people fail. Even I fail people. That's the problem, isn't it? So I'm going to fail you sometimes. You're going to be like, you didn't text me back. I sent him that text last week. I didn't get a text back, reply for a week. It's because I'm busy. It's because I'm, I'm dying with... I got The texts I get sometimes are like stones flying at me. Sometimes I, I've got too much to handle. And, and, I, and I want to reply. It's not that I don't love you. I love you. But listen, I'm just trying to say to you, we've got to stop relying on people's affirmation. I didn't get that message from someone, so therefore I'm quitting on God. If The pastor can't reply to me. I'm quitting on this faith. No, don't quit because of me, because I'm going to let you down. God will always respond. He's always speaking. So if I don't reply to you, have a chat to God. <laughs> Come on. Some, some people don't spend time with God, but will spend more time messaging. Because they want people to talk to them more than they want to hear from God. But the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. <laughs> what a friend to have. What a friend to have. Come on. Some of you need to go home today and say, Do you know what? Sorry, Lord, I've not messaged you for a while. I've not, I've not been in contact with you for... In fact, I, I can't remember the last time I spent time with you, but I've been, I've been, I've been moaning about everyone else not responding to, to me. Come on, we've got to get real, are not we? If we're Christians and we believe... Where was I? One minute they're praising Paul, the next they're stoning him. I mean, what is going on? This is getting ridiculous. The crowd, the crowd again, are won over... One minute they recognize Jesus in Mark chapter 6 as a miracle worker in Nazareth. The next minute they take offense at him. Same thing. Switching like the wind. Because if you depend on the crowd, you'll die by the crowd. If you depend on them, you're going to die by them. You'll die by what they say to you. What they do to you. I put here that the crowd you surround yourself with today will determine the call you walk in tomorrow. There's a call on everyone's life. Some people say, I'm not called. Everyone's called. Everyone in this room, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you haven't, you can today. But if you haven't, or if you have, sorry, there is a call on your life. There is an influence, just like Jesus in Nazareth. He was called from Nazareth not to just stick around Nazareth and impress his hometown. He was called to take his gospel to the nations through the disciples. Because there's a big influence. And every one of you right now, the devil knows this today. There is. The devil's trying to limit you. And he knows if I can keep them in that place of limitation by people, I'll stop their influence, the call on their life. But I want to tell you today, God's got so much bigger for every one of you. The devil's trying to limit you. Your purpose in God is bigger than the poison in the crowd. The poison that tries to get them stoned. But I got some good news for you today. There's something in this story that I see that I've not seen before. And as I looked at it and I read it, I saw something that I thought, wow, this is true. And it's the truth of the gospel. The good news is this, that verse 20 Brings some hope. Because wherever there's a bad crowd, there's a good crowd. Wherever there's a bad crowd, come on, there's always a good crowd. There's always people that are going to, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Come on. See, I'm not putting people down. I'm saying just watch the type of people. There's a difference between people and type of. And so what happens is in verse 20, it says this. But after the disciples had gathered around him, Paul got back up and went back into the city. I've got some news for you people. All of a sudden, I want you to just get this for a moment. Because Paul is now, it says that they thought he was dead. Now if they thought he was dead, he was probably laid on the floor. Dead men don't walk. So now you got Paul laid out. And it says they dragged him. You don't drag someone stood up. They dragged him out of the city. Have you noticed something now? The enemy's won because what he's done is this. He's he's trying to win by getting him out of the city so there's no more influence in the city. We can get him through that city gate. Now his influence is not affecting anyone. So you've got Paul, who at one time was in a great meeting telling someone else to stand up who was lame and laid down. Now Paul is being dragged out of the city and took past the boundary marker of influence. Now he's took to a place where he can't have influence in the city. He's laid out on the floor, nearly dead. But verse 20 says this, but a few of them gathered around him. How many of you know, it doesn't take many believers to get around you. You might have a crowd in a city that is out to kill you. You might have a crowd of problems around you right now that is out to destroy your life. Addictions. Stuff you cannot cope with. That thing has been stoning you, taking you down to the floor. You feel dragged and around by the devil. You feel like you've been dragged out of the city. You can't have any influence. You feel so ruined. But how many of you know That God will always put those faithful few voices just like he did with Job. Uh, He'll always put a few people around you. And let me tell you right now, this is a word for someone here today. And the Lord told me this. There are people right now. You are doing things in your life. You have allowed the crowd to overcome you. You've allowed people to overcome you. And this has brought you to a place where you're dead on the floor. You've lost all your passion for God. You're now beginning to think, what am I going to do next? And the question is this, how am I going to get back up? Because I haven't got the strength. But God has placed people around you, family, friends. And you might only have a few, these few voices that are going to gather around you. And listen to me. I believe that they were saying this to him. And I don't know because he doesn't tell me in the word. But my guess is that they were saying things like this to him. That when he's laid on the floor, they're saying, Paul, remember that man you just told to stand. Remember when he couldn't walk. You told him to stand. Get up. Stand to your feet. And all the time. Let me tell you. I'm going to just show you something. Because I believe he's laid out on the floor. And as he's laid. None of you at the back now can see me. The city can't see him. Because his influence is gone. And he's laid down. And all the time he's got a few gathered around in verse 20. Saying, come on, get up, Paul. And as he gets up, and I don't know how he does it, because how does a man get up that's almost dead? It's the power of Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do people get up who are dead? How? Covered in blood from the rocks that have hit him. That are people looking, thinking in natural terms, that guy is gone. But how many of you know you can be covered in blood from wounds, attacks from people, the things that have tried to destroy your life. But the power of the blood of Jesus Christ will help you to raise up because the power of the gospel says this, that Jesus died on a cross and then he was raised to life. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on church, who's excited Why? I'm excited because no matter how many rocks got thrown at me, no matter how many things have attacked me, no matter how many things have tried to put me down, I might just hear that family member to me saying, I'm praying for you, son. I'm praying for you. Yeah, but uh, you don't understand, dad. It's really hard. I've had that. My dad, he's told me he's prayed, but I'm still laid down. Dad, you don't understand his heart. I'm praying for you, son. Listen to me. The prayer of one righteous person for you availeth much, the Bible says. (laughs) Oh, come on, devil, you ain't got a chance. Come on, I'm speaking it over your life today. Because some of you right now, you look like you're stood, but actually you're laid down right now. Some of you in this room right now are so good at making yourself look like you stood up, but actually you're laid flat on the ground because everything's tried to crush you. But I've got a word for you. If it's just my voice, I'm gathering around you today to tell you that the same things you've seen God do in the past in your life, just like Paul saw that man get up and walk. He says, you can do it. And so I believe they were saying, come on, Paul, get up, stand up. I can't. Yes, you can. Do you know what I believe he did? He thought, hang on a sec, that guy jumped up. I told him to stand because I saw faith. Now I'm crushed. Now my brothers around me are seeing faith. They're seeing something. They're telling me to get up. And they gathered around him and then he gets up and, and then he doesn't just say, right, come on guys. When's the next Uber out of here? Get get your phone out. We need to get out of here. Why? Because the guys from Iconium are the poison in everyone's minds. I do not want another stone again. Do you know what he says he did? (laughs) Come on, let's get back in that city. (laughs) Why? Why would you do that? I can imagine the priest of Zeus going, hang on. What's going on? He's got up. He's coming back. He's coming back. Listen to me. When you get up in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from your circumstance, situation, you will face things like you never thought you would face. You, it's time for you to say, I'm facing my enemy. I'm facing my crowd. Because I have got crowd control. Because when you have self-control from the Holy Ghost, when you have the power of the Holy Ghost living inside of you, you can control the crowd. You can walk back into the crowd and you can say, nothing is going to defeat me because my God is with me. The same God that is with me before is now with me now. He doesn't tell us that they stoned again, does it? Do you know why? Because I reckon they were more amazed in the miracle that someone they tried to kill... Got back up again. Oh, we, 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 we could kind of cope with a guy who was been lame from birth. Maybe that was a fake miracle that everyone's just set up. But we've just seen this because we tried to destroy you, but yet you've got back up again. We've just seen it firsthand. We brought your destruction. Now you're back up. We don't understand this. Have you noticed that some people, you tell them about a miracle. You say, oh, this person, they've never been able to walk or they couldn't see since they were blind. People are always like, are you sure? Are you definitely, could you get me a, a doctor's verdict on that? I'd like to know what really happened. Because people don't like to believe. But when someone is the one who's caused the damage, they saw both. And now they see transformation of once you were dead or nearly dead, but now you're alive. We try to kill you off. It's the same with Jesus. When Jesus rose, when Jesus died and something happened, it says that they, they, they realized he is the son of God. Because the power of the resurrection life has got the ability to take you back into the city. Because listen to me. The devil right now wants you to be on a boundary marker limited by the city. That you can't do anything else. But the few people gathered around you right now and I come to a close. The worship team want to come back? That'd be great. The devil's tried to push some of you outside your influence. You couldn't Do it on your own. Trying to set that boundary marker. You know when I I laid down a minute ago and I said, you can't see me at the back. Because the devil wants you out of sight and out of mind. If you're out of sight, if you're not having influence, you're not doing anything for the Lord. He wants you down. It's time to say... Do you know what? I'm going to respond to the prayers. I'm going to respond to the people, the, the small crowd that's been around me all these years praying. And I'm going to stand up today. I'm going to jump up today. And in a moment, we're going to, I'm going to open up the front for people to respond. And maybe you, right now, you feel like deep down you're laid. But it's time to come forward and say, I'm going to stand up again. It's time to stand up again in the power, not of, not of a preach, but the power of the resurrection Of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God says I'm not finished. With you yet. And he's saying to you today. In my power. You will stand. You will stand. You will stand. Are you sure Lord? These rocks are hard for me. In my power you will stand. And you will get back up. Come on right now. It's a declaration of faith. Let's all stand.